What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Gerald Valley here, and thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Drop-In. You guys are the reason I do this show. I mean, we're broadcast all over the world, and I consistently get positive feedback through all the social medias and whatnot, and I just want to thank you. I open the show every single week thanking you because it is awesome to be able to bring you uh, these interviews with friends of mine and friends of friends and people I meet, and each one brings something different to the table. Every single interview brings something inspiring, something that blows my doors off, actually. We had Phil Stone in here, and, and if you watch that interview, I've known Phil for, I don't know, five, ten years, and I'm sitting over here, I had to keep putting my job. Because it was like a movie. It was like a freaking movie. The dude is phenomenal. And, uh, and, and every guest is like that. And today is no different. You know, my guest today, we met, I don't know, a month or two ago through a friend of a friend. Actually, through Bob Wan. If you watched his interview on this show, he was another one who was just mind-boggling. I mean, dude is doing probably cabillion-dollar real estate deals. And you saw him sit in the chair across from me like he was this meditation, calm expert. His voice was like so calming and cool and he is such a down-to-earth person. So hopefully we got past that stereotype that maybe you've had that if you're a real estate investor, you're big money talking through your teeth like this. Bob Wan blows that out of the water and he is an awesome dude. And about I don't know. It was a month or two ago. Stacy and I talked on the phone. And then about a month ago, Bob and I actually went to one of Stacy's yoga and meditation classes. And it was just awesome. And then after, she's a chef too. So she made these, these candies. And I'm like, wow. And, and they were actually good for you. And you're going to hear all about it. But I, I always thank you guys so much. And I, I don't take your time lightly. You sit with me for an hour. An hour of your day, an hour of your life, and I don't take that lightly, and that's why I thank you so much. So thank you again for being here. And without too much more, you know, the young lady sitting across from me, Stacey Bishop, she is a a yoga expert, a meditation expert. She's a chef. She loves to travel. She is pushing the envelope of her own life and inspiring every single person that comes within, I mean, eye contact of her. The the vibration is amazing. Like, she's like, you know... uh, They say when Jesus and Mother Teresa walked into a town, they could raise the vibration, raise the consciousness of the whole town. And I'm always like, that's the way I want to be. Well, that's the way Stacey Bishop is. And so without any more, I want to introduce you to the awesome young lady. Stacey, thank you so much for taking the time to be here on The Drop-In with me. Hi, Gerald. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How was the drive-in? Oh, easy, easy. Oh, cool, cool, cool. So, so uh, you know, it, it, your life has been pretty cool. You know, I read your bio and you sent it over and I'm like, how am I going to fit this, uh, a synopsis of this picture into 58 minutes? And I always invite my guests back because we're going to get as far as we can and you may have to come back for round two. Um, but let's just start in the beginning. You know, you're, you, you grew up here in Michigan. You had a pretty big family. Start there. Talk about growing up and, and being the oldest uh, sibling for your family. Sure. So I grew up in um, Southfield, and I was a honeymoon baby. So my mother and father were high school sweethearts and um, went on the honeymoon, conceived me, not planned, and here I am. So we lived in Southfield, and the birth of my father's business came two years before the birth of me. So I was an only child for about four years, living in Southfield, 
like you said, a huge extended family, three sets of grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins. Everywhere I go, somebody knows a bishop or someone related. So then my brother, Chad, came along, and um, we kind of grew up brother and sister, just the two of us. And again, he wasn't planned. Supposedly, maybe one out of five of us was planned. <laughs> so I'm not going to go there. But um, then uh, about three years after that, my brother Adam was born. And a year and a half after that, my brother Jake. So they're not Irish twins, but they um, are just so close and so compatible in their connection. And I met one of your brothers at the meditation class I was at. And I think it's super cool that you guys are close like that. He was he was like your biggest cheerleader that day. And and that that is really cool. Absolutely. And that's one thing that has kind of been taught and preached um, all the way down on both my, my mother's and my father's side is family first. That was a priority. And as much as I did hate having a big family, now I just love it and appreciate it because there's literally someone to go to for anything. And yes, my both of my brothers were supposed to be there that day. One was sick. And now I'm the only bishop in Michigan. They both moved to Florida right after that weekend, back to Florida. And my other brother, Chad, is there. And drumroll for my sister, who is 13 years younger than me. And she lives in Chicago. She's a therapist, a psychologist, and her name is Nikki. And I'm, uh, as they say, the trendsetter with food and yoga and meditation. But to be honest, Gerald, for many years I was the weird one of the family. I'm sure because, you know, when you're ahead of the curve a little bit, um, by the time I got to high school, I used to tell my mom, you know, whatever I was into, if it was cuffing my pants or doing this, wearing a hip sack, different skateboard kind of trends, I said, Mom, just give it two years. Two years and everybody will be doing it. And after uh, a little bit of time, she's like, you know, you're about right. Like two <laughs> years later, everybody's doing what, what you guys are doing. And you're very much like that, which we're going to get to that. Mm -hmm. But I want to talk a, a little bit about, um, uh, you know, uh, you talked about your sister in Chicago being mm -hmm. a therapist and, and whatnot. And as you continued your, your education at Michigan State University, mm -hmm. you went into child development and human services. So maybe there's something with the big family wanting to help even uh, – uh, on that level in a larger scale. How did you go in that direction as you went into uh, your college years? Sure, that's a great question. So all of my siblings went to Michigan State, and it was very important to my dad, who went to the School of Hard Knocks, that we go to college. So we all bleed green, MSU style. And um, I think, you know, as 18 years old and not knowing what I wanted to be when I grew up, I loved children. I loved community. I loved helping people. But I knew I didn't want to be a formal teacher. I didn't want to teach academics because I wasn't exactly the star student myself. Um, academics never came easy to me. I worked really hard. You understand that? Yeah, school, you know, book work. What, I was like a... B student, C student, and I was a creative, so that's how I got a, a little bit help at Wayne State University mm. going into design and illustration and whatnot. School was, I had to work. Yeah. So, you know, when I kind of went back and forth about what path to choose, um, human services and child development was extremely interesting to me. And the program at Michigan State was phenomenal. I got to observe behind those, you know, double windows, those glasses, and see how those formative years, zero to five, are the most formative years of a child in a human being's life. So although I didn't really 
prioritize that at the time, I now realize how important that is. And human services, I think that's been a thread through my life, and it just kind of spoke to me. Right on. Well, I, the studies that I've read, it's like, you know, between five and seven is when um, young humans start creating their own opinions. And up to that point, they're a sponge, and their environment plays a huge role mm-hmm. uh, of, of their, their, their early development. And before they start making opinions, they're just believing everything. You know, you're a rabbit today, and the, a child will come back six hours later and be like, you got a carrot? Because they, yeah. they believe that. It, it's a very in, uh, formative time in their life, um, and, and to go into that is huge. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, MSU, I, I sit here cringing a little bit because I, I grew up in U of M town, you know, and, and being in Michigan, you're usually one or the other. You're a Michigan State fan or you're a U of M fan. I'm actually a fan of all colleges, but I was – probably between the ages of five and seven, it was all maize and blue. And so I'm still getting <laughs> over that, even though my favorite color is green. But mm. anyway, you know, you, you ended up heading to Chicago for a short period of time, and then you moved back home to work uh, with your dad. Uh, what drew you to Chicago, and then what brought you back home, as I uh, hinted to, working for your dad? Sure. So I just... After college and the independence, I didn't want to move back home, and I didn't really know exactly what direction I was headed. My major, I couldn't really do that much with. A lot of friends were moving out to Chicago. It was close. It was convenient. It was fun. And I found a job at a drug rehab center, and they wanted someone more warm and fuzzy. They didn't want the drug counselors. So me with my child development background, they had children and women who lived on the floor. They were mandated to live there. The children were zero to five. And I was brought in to teach parenting classes, journaling classes, and mother-child interaction classes in the heart of the city, okay? That has to be, uh, I can't even imagine the kinds of things you you saw in the heart of Chicago, which is, is uh, I've been there quite a bit. It's mm-hmm. It's a pretty rough town. Yeah. Yeah, so I I took um, a train and a subway every day, and I certainly know why Chicago is called the Windy City. It was freezing. I spent one year there, and I came home depressed every day. Wow. I couldn't handle the intensity of the pain I felt from these children and from these mothers who had no other way, and they were selling their baby food for drug money. You know, being um, empathetic. Mm Mm-hmm. It, it is hard to shut that off, oh, yeah. you know, especially in that kind of an arena where you're there to help them, but it's got to be virtually impossible mm-hmm. when you go home at night. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's that's incredible. I can't, I don't even know, I don't know if I, uh, maybe I could have went and done, did that. I, I don't know. But anyway, you end up coming back home after a year, and uh, and why would you do that? Tell me about your dad. How is your dad? So... My dad kept saying, Stacy, I have this growing business in Michigan. I need your help. I need help with kids' clothing buying and women's clothing. So similar fitting, you know, kids' clothing, child development, not really the same. But I um, had been dating, which was my came to be my husband slash my father's, the, my children's father now my ex-husband, but I was dating him when I lived in Chicago, so he was living in Michigan, so that was definitely um, a reason. And my dad just needing help and me not being happy in Chicago led me 
to come back to Michigan. And my parents had gotten divorced, actually, while I was living in Chicago. So that was an upheaval of emotions for me. Um, they were married, you know, over 20 years. And I was the oldest. And my dad stayed in our childhood home. So I went back and lived with him and learned the business. And one little side note that I forgot to mention that I think is another common thread, I spent a decade at um, a camp up north called Camp Walden. And I started out as a junior counselor in high school, and I worked my way up the chain, and I became a supervisor there. And that was just one of the most amazing jobs. I got to work with every age kid and a community of counselors and connecting together. And so that is one thing I have found through my life is I thrive in community. And that was a community like no other, being in nature and together for the whole summer. And those camps, you get every different walk of life. Yeah. I mean, uh, for me, it was more hockey camp because, mm-hmm. you know, I grew up playing hockey and I would travel up to London, Ontario. Uh, that was the camp I went to every mm-hmm. year. And I actually, surprisingly enough, I became the first U.S. counselor ever at that camp um, when I was 16. Like, I got my license and I was driving to London, Ontario to counsel camp. But uh, you get every different kind of person. You yes. get people from money. You get people who they have been taking back bottles all year to go to that camp. You get people who really see the benefit of it and then you get people who are like I can't believe mom and dad dragged me (laughs) here again you know so um, doing that is again you you have to really wear a bunch of different hats Mm -hmm. yes absolutely and that explains a lot about um, how you uh, directed your your collegiate years Mm -hmm. and now coming back to work with your dad who incidentally her dad if you're in Michigan um, you know the the tagline Mr. Allen's one for 25, two for 50, or one for... One for 29, two for 50. One for 29, two for 50. Yeah. That was her dad. And so that's who she's coming back to help out. How many times you hear that that line in a bar? That was one thing when I was <laughs> thinking about it. When I say my dad is Mr. Allen's, which is def- Mr. Allen, which is definitely one of my claims to fame, mm-hmm. and I'm proud of it for many reasons, not just because of Mr. Allen. But, um, you know... The 29, two for 50 with the voice. I mean, and people think they are so funny <laughs> saying it. And I'm like, like, I haven't ever heard that one before. But yes, the home of the twofer, that is my dad. And he is a marketing genius. Yes, he is. He is. Because anybody who has been in Michigan for the last 30 years, mm-hmm. they know that 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 is brilliant marketing. Brilliant marketing. Yes. And I know the the little cartoon dude, you got a story for that. Because oh, yeah. he, he is a pretty... Pretty interesting looking cartoon character. And, and uh, talk about your brother uh, with that one. <laughs> yeah, so um, the cartoon character, the Mr. Allen's guy, is um, after my brother Chad, who's the next youngest. So um, my brother had these long sideburns and he was tan and wearing these sunglasses. And my dad came home one day after work and is like, that's going to be the twofer guy. And he made him the twofer guy and he added the voice to him and he you know, played that role, the cartoon, for many, many years. Did he have to dress up in that get-up and do store appearances or anything? I'm sure he would have if he could have because <laughs> he's that type of personality, my brother Chad. if Or when you meet him, you'd be like, how are you two brother and sister? He has a heart of gold, but him and I are so different. So he probably would have, but he didn't. 
That's funny. Yeah. That's really funny. We're sitting here with Stacy Bishop, and 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 now we're gonna get into where the direction you uh, decided to choose, or actually chose you, mm-hmm. sort of, kinda. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, life oftentimes puts us in in weird places, and your life obviously put you in some strange places with camp, and then you go to MSU, you go to Chicago, some things bring you back home, and and you went through a tough time, and and you found yoga mm-hmm. to help you get through that time. Can you talk about that and how you fell in love with the practice? Absolutely. So, you know that saying, never say never? Well, first off, I said I'd never get divorced. And I found myself brought to my knees by this divorce in child's pose, in yoga. And my first few times of yoga, Gerald, I'm not going to lie, were not exactly easeful, peaceful, or enjoyable. Just like most things, it's not just like a natural quick enjoyment, those things that really get us to our core. So I did find that during my yoga experience, I was able to ground myself and calm down because I was a mess in my mind and my emotions and everything. And that yoga was the only thing that could help me keep my sanity only for an hour. But yet it was more than anything else could help me do at the time. Wow. See, for me, it's a little bit different. I was like crippled. Like my my body wasn't functioning right. And I started teaching a young lady named Tamika, actually young lady. She was about 20 years my senior and she wanted to learn how to skateboard. Well, she'd been teaching yoga since the 80s in New York. And she said, I'll teach you yoga if you teach me how to ride a skateboard. And you're right. It's an amazing mind and body thing because I would go do yoga for an hour and it would probably take me about a half hour to feel like I was walking back on the ground. Like, mm. I couldn't go straight to the skate park. Even though I was very loose, I, I would leave yoga class, and I'd have to, like, ease into mm-hmm. riding my skateboard because I felt like I was on another planet. But it, it changed my life. That yeah. was about 13 years ago when I started, and I've incorporated yoga um, poses into my stretching, into a lot of things. I don't go to a ton of classes, mm-hmm. but I, I use the physical side of yoga mm-hmm. every day. Wow. Every day of my life. Um, you know, as you, uh, continued on with yoga, like when, you know, you get through a life situation Mm -hmm. using it. Mm -hmm. And so you, you end up getting into like, uh, children and family yoga so so you're incorporating your your collegiate education with something that helped you with your life this is helping and you're putting it all together how did that transition happen and uh, like I've never thought of making yoga a profession I don't want to actually I take that back recently I'm like maybe I'll get trained in yoga just to do it um but uh how did the transition happen where you realized you know I could I could teach other people here possibly pay my bills and really make a difference mm. So that's a great question because so in between the children and family yoga, I did my first yoga teacher training and life training here in Michigan through the yoga shelter. And it was two long weekends. Um, It was life training. And that's really why I was in it. That's where I started my practice of yoga was at the yoga shelter. Where is the yoga shelter? I've never heard of it. So now there's one in West Bloomfield, one in Birmingham, all all around the Detroit area. so I was consist- consistently practicing there, and they were offering this um, life training, which helped you deal with life. And at that point, I needed all the help I could get. So I signed up, and it was a tech-free weekend, and they were vegan. And at that time, I was vegetarian, and it was a whole introduction to Vedanta, which, you know, the Veda study, India, all this 
stuff that I was never introduced to, and I felt so at home. So we're talking dance, trans dance and yoga and falling off of ladders backwards and zip lines, being afraid of heights, and I didn't know one person going into this. And how many years ago is this? That was about 10 years ago, 10, okay. 10 or 11 years ago. So, so ahead of the curve. Yes. It wasn't on every street corner. Nobody right. had ever heard of Bikram yet or any of that. So, sure. So you're doing things that aren't so popular and so trendy uh, as they sort of are now. And so there was another weekend, which was teacher training. And I was like, I don't want to be a teacher. I don't. That I just want to feel good. They're like, just do it. Most people, they don't become teachers, but it's more about an internal strength. Okay, I could buy that. I felt good going to the life training. That was my first real training where I had sequences and I had a practice and I had a partner and I was learning how to flow and listen to my own voice. And that kind of trampoline leveraged me to look for something more in my field of interest. Interesting. Interesting. Because uh, I know that right now a friend of mine who I, I actually got him in the skateboarding. He's a, a college football standout, right? Big buff dude. I mean, he's, he's like big dude. And he started skateboarding with me about a year and a half ago. And I told him the impact yoga has had on me. Well, Jen uh, from 359 Yoga was on the show. He became a local there and he's getting ready to take the training now. And wow. he has a master's degree in, like, physical education or something. He's like, this can only help yes, that. absolutely. Um, so a lot of people do get impacted because it changes their life. Mm -hmm. And they're like, man, more people need to know about this. Yes. Uh, they really do. And in the skateboard world, so many professional skateboarders who are at the top of their game later in life blame it on yoga. They completely blame it on yoga. Um, you know, a good friend of mine, his name is Ernie, and he owns Detroit Hot Yoga, which used to be, used to be Bikram. Uh, there's a big whatever. Bikram got in a bunch of trouble, and uh, it went to his head. You can look it up. You can look up the Bikram uh, documentary if you're doing Bikram yoga. You watch that documentary. You can still do the yoga, but you probably won't call it Bikram after watching that. But um, Ernie, I went to his, uh, his class a few times, and we started talking, and he is a straight-up physical, like I say asana, asana, whatever, however, but um, he is a straight up posture guy. Mm. And he's like, Gerald, you know, you're you're like in slow motion <laughs> sort of, kind of, because I'm trying, I, I, I like to focus on the breath mm. and, and the breath dictates my motion and how, when I change is how deep my breath is. And I, I try to be the whole, it's the whole package for me. Mm -hmm. And it blew him away. He's like, I need to learn it more like you. And he's the teacher. Yeah. He owns the freaking place. Now I know you, um, are, are very cognizant of the breath mm. and the flow. How, 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 how did you really, I mean, how did the whole package come together like that? So when I first started practicing yoga, it was I was a vinyasa junkie. Right. I mean, that is the easy way in because we have so much going in our head and we're constantly so angst. And so with the music and the heat and just flowing, I used to dance. I used to take dance lessons for years and years. So being able to move, that was kind of the way that the yoga shelter flowed. It wasn't, they weren't about alignment. It was more about just kind of using your own yoga mat as your own little magic carpet to do what you want and flow and feel good in your own skin. So that's kind of how it started. And slowly but surely, as I learned more I slowed down my practice and began to focus more on that breath. So every class, whether it's an individual or group, which I love teaching group classes, 
I start with breath techniques. Well, uh, you know, and, and I think it's a Western kind of thing, you know. And when I say Western, I'm talking about the United States. Mm -hmm. um, because when I got into yoga, it was about posture. It was about being a better skateboarder, not being in pain all the time, getting my flexibility back, my range of motion, those kinds of things. And as I evolved as a person, mm -hmm. um, uh, from a spiritual perspective, from a, a life perspective, it got to be more of not just about the poses, but about what works for me mm -hmm. and, and, and how I, I uh, need to my practice to be, not what the person in the, on the mat next to me is doing or some pretzel freaking dude over in the corner who can, like, touch his head to his butt when he bent. You know, I don't have to be that person. Yes. You know, it's not a competition. It's, it's what works for you. And when I came to your class in Pontiac, it was very much like that. It wasn't look at me and, and emulate mm -hmm. what I'm doing. You were uh, suggesting mm -hmm. more than ordering. And I think that's a really cool way to be, I don't want to say a teacher, but the instructor or, or the person. Do people resonate with that more? I think I think they would. I think that it's kind of relatable to everyone because the thing about yoga that I think trips people up is they think they need to be in those pretzels or be in their cute leggings and their outfit. And that's not the foundation of yoga. It's about appreciation for the body and non-judgment and non-harm. And the foundations, I think, get lost in the shuffle these days. And so I like to, like you said, for mobility, flexibility, for pain reduction, all these stress reduction, all these benefits that yoga has get lost in the shuffle and turn people away because they're like, I can't touch my toes. I'm not flexible. I can't meditate. I have so many things going on in my mind. Do you think for one second that any of those things aren't true for me or relatable? They all are. And so when we can be authentic and real and honest, and that's what I try and bring to the table so that I can not be too woo-woo, so a businessman, a skateboarder, an athlete, a woman in her yoga pants that feels good, or someone who's a beginner, they can all feel okay in the same class. And regardless of where I've practiced, which I've, I've uh, Novi, um, Northville, Pontiac, Wyandotte, Southgate, it's always like that. Mm. You know, it is always like that. You're going to have, I've always seen, that you have the person who you can tell they can stretch beyond belief. And I'm just like, wow, that's crazy. But then next to me, it might be a 75-year-old young lady mm. who is also there enjoying herself. And over there is a doctor, and over there is an athlete, and over there is a dude who just got out of the factory. It, it's all-encompassing. And I think that was one of the most appealing things mm. for me. The one thing that cracked me up all the time is they're like, hey, you know, they'd introduce me. This is Gerald Valley Pro Skateboarder, blah, blah, blah. I can't even cross my legs. <laughs> uh, when I sit and everybody, you know, gets all cool, cross their legs in the meditation pose, I sit flat on the ground with my legs in front of me because mm. I can't even cross my legs. And that's one of my goals. I'm like, mm. if I can get that flexibility back mm. and cross my legs, I win. I mm. win. I will be winning. And it sounds like a very minor goal, but it's something that, that I uh, – uh, eh, it's on the list. It's on the bucket list. I think Cro that's a great, a great goal to have. Cross my legs again. <laughs> it sounds so trivial, but my hips – they're. we'll get into that at a later date. Um, now – you are also, you focus on meditation. Mm -hmm. And 
I know nothing about uh, your background in meditation, so we're going to learn right now. Did you take classes? Was it just from personal growth? How do you how do you how do you do it? How do you, how do you say like I focus on meditation? Because you you held a thing a couple weeks ago, and it was a whole group of of kids, and you're on stage teaching kids meditation. Uh, it, it seems like a no-brainer. Yoga and meditation go together, but how do you start focusing just on meditation? Hmm. So. I, as my yoga practice slowed down, it kind of that barometer from the physical to the still kind of transitioned. So about, I believe, seven years ago, I started teaching meditation. Way ahead of the curve. Way ahead of the curve. Unless you talk to somebody from India, they're like, you've been yeah, doing that for 2,500 right, exactly. years. You know? So I, I started with individual clients and I was working also with um, mother-daughter groups and I was teaching some classes, connection classes, and people loved the meditation. And so I continued to offer that. And in my yoga classes, I would do an extended meditation, but I wouldn't call it a meditation because people, it seemed like we're scared of that word. Like, I can't meditate. I can't clear my mind. It's not about clearing the mind. The mind is never going to clear, okay? There's all these thoughts. It's just kind of stepping away and kind of, like I like to say, unplugging from the external and plugging into yourself. Nowhere to be, nothing to have to say, just be. You know, we're human beings, and we tend to be human doings because we're doing, doing, doing our to-do list. I tell people, leave your to-do list at the door. It'll be there, I promise, when you're done. So it kind of just morphed into the body awareness. I found myself constantly detaching from my thoughts and my body, disconnecting. So to bring that breath in and then to either do a body scan, which I think I did at the end of that, I love to start my meditations with that because it brings gratitude appreciation and awareness to your whole body and from there either I'll do a guided visualization or something like that and it just seemed like people needed this so I didn't have formal training I had teachers that taught me different modalities of yoga and meditation and I've taken transcendental meditation for myself so I've definitely experienced different modalities um, and study and scripts and just learning on my own I've listened to countless meditations on my own to perfect and and to experience for myself very cool for me i don't even know what started me on it but i i I discovered a gentleman named jose silva in the 60s he was just a business dude and he realized how how important it was to calm his mind Mm. down and he could make better business decisions and he actually is credited believe it or not with that whole body scan thing Mm. he was one of the one of the first or the first that gets credit for that and when I started meditation and trying to calm my brain down, because I was the same way, I'm like, mm. there is no way. My brain goes 47 million miles a minute all the time. And um, the guided meditation. Mm. I take orders pretty good. And and <laughs> so uh, I needed somebody in my ears mm. to tell me to relax. Yep. And it was a half hour body scan kind of thing from the top of the head to the bottom of my feet. And I'm not even kidding you. I would do this thing. And by the time I got to the end, I, did, I would do it laying down because I was relaxing. Mm. And I wouldn't even feel like I was touching the bed. Mm. Like I felt like I was floating. Mm-hmm. And I did that for probably a year to two years. And, and just it, it, it extended to mm-hmm. an hour. But um, uh, I had to 
almost like uh, muscle memory, fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it. Uh, that's what got me into it. Now I can sit down, I can put on, I like binaural beats and, mm-hmm. and that kind of a thing. But um, the focus of the breath, it mm. sounds so simple, mm. but when you go back to the root, almost everybody is like, it's the easiest thing, but it works. Yes. How do you start with somebody like me who comes in like, hey, what's going on? I'm going to meditate, man. Let's get down. I'm cool. <laughs> How do you start with that person? Yeah, so with the breath. And the, what starting with the breath really means is an elongated breath where you're equally breathing through. There's so many different breath techniques, breathing techniques. But just to elongate your breath from the inhale for the count of three or four and then the exhale for that same count of three or four. So beginning to breathe in and out in that flow calms the nervous system, the mind, the body instantly. So we start with that and also just bringing in those affirmations, whether it's gratitude, connecting, whether I'm in an individual session or with a group, just connecting to the core of the thoughts and the appreciation really sets the stage for a practice. Yeah, it's, you know, the breathing part, I mean, I do it when I'm driving all the time Mm. and, um, and I learned some things from my physical therapist that I've also incorporated in my breathing, like folding my tailbone underneath and it stretches out a bunch of weird stuff. But it's all about the breath mm. and taking deep breaths and, and slowing down a little bit. And when I consciously think about that, it helps everything. My skateboarding, if mm. I'm playing hockey, if I'm playing my drums, it helps every part of my life. Mm. And uh, and I think that's very important. And meditation, you know, you were on a stage a couple of weeks ago, and I don't know how big that crowd was, a couple hundred kids. Yes. And and how did you how did you get into that operation? Like uh, being able to be on stage to teach kids the importance of mm. slowing down a little bit. How did that happen? Well, I love children and families. I have a passion for that, hence from MSU. And our teens need it so bad. They are so limited on their self-regulation tools. And I was given five minutes to calm this crowd down. Okay. I was it? it usually takes about ten to fifteen minutes to calm anyone down, let alone teenagers, let alone male and female kids together. How did you stop the chatter in five minutes? That was a big crowd. I saw a picture. Yeah. That was a big crowd. It was not easy. It was not easy. But it was so rewarding to see them kind of take it down a notch. And it was at the beginning of an exciting day. And and the organization just wanted me to come set the stage for appreciation and ground them because they were going to have like a whole day of competition and stress and talent shows and all these things. So to set the stage that they're inviting in meditation and breath work with teens is amazing. And what I've found as I've taught groups of teenagers, they crave the meditation even more than the yoga because they're in this go, 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 go over program. They need to start studying for ACTs in sixth grade and, you know, applying for college in eighth grade. And it's just insane. And they have all this tension. So the meditation and the breath allows them to just chill out and not have to look on social media or have that appendage of the cell phone Velcroed to their side. And it just creates some space. Interesting, because I, I have to agree, even for me, mm. to go to a, a yoga studio for an hour, it gives me an excuse 
to not have to work or not have to look at my phone or not have to answer mm. an email just for an hour. Yep. Just to shut it off. And and it sounds like even in, in, in their teens, mm. kids see it the same way. Yes. That, that now they can set their phone aside and, and just do... Uh, like Ram Das, who just recently passed mm-hmm. away, be here now. Yes. And it sounds simple, but it's very difficult. Gerald, all of this is so simple. It's so simple, but it's so difficult. And even as a yoga instructor, I hold my breath. When I'm stressed, I clench, I hold. That tightens the muscles, it causes pain, and it doesn't allow us to self regulate and calm down. And I learn this stuff, I've trained in it, and I teach it, and I'm still you know, holding my breath. Well, I have to like almost fully in, 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 encompass myself in, in it to remember. Mm-hmm. I, I listen to audiobooks a lot on my, uh, when I'm driving. I drive a ton. Mm-hmm. And, and so many times it's about meditation, higher consciousness, higher spirituality. You know, that's what I'm listening yeah. to because I, have to be, I still have to be reminded on a yes. regular basis to, to slow it down and remember, you know, your connection to everybody else, that we're all in this together. Yeah. And as I calm down, everything around me calms down. And one interesting thing as you're saying that is is as a as a parent it it's pushed me to the brinks of patience as and I'm a patient person. And so what I would do when my kids were younger, I'd go into child's pose. Like when they're having a temper tantrum or whatever and they're like what are they going to do when I'm in this restorative pose and just kind of relaxing. Now they're teens. I still, tween and teen, I still need to go into that child's pose. But when things were very physical and intense and those temper tantrums and that crying and all that being an empath, whoo, it set me through the roof. So you're saying these beautiful kids right here did that to you. They did. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) They are beautiful. And I am so blessed with two wonderful, kind hearted children who are my teachers and my students in life. But they definitely have brought me to my knees a couple times in uh, stress. Uh, I can imagine. Yeah. And if, if you haven't Googled child's pose yet, Google it, yes. look it up. It, you know, you're, you're sitting on your knees and you're stretching your arms out in front of you. And it really is. It's a relaxing, like, release. Release the good word for child's pose. Mm-hmm. It really is um, any time. I mean, it, it's it's mandatory before I even step on my skateboard mm. is, is that's incorporated into my stretching. And uh, – uh, people used to make fun of me before, and now they're just like, oh, it's just Gerald. He's doing his thing. Don't worry about it. He just took off his shoes. He's barefooted. Don't don't worry about him. Just wait a minute. Wait a minute and watch him ride. It's all good. I love that. <laughs> that, you know, because skateboarding is near and dear to my heart for some reasons, but that is so amazing that you're setting that precedence. Uh, it makes me laugh. You know, I guess it goes back with the being different, and I'm, I'm ahead of the curve, man. I'm ahead yeah. of the curve. You guys are all going to be barefoot doing yoga <laughs> in a couple of years. Don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, uh, you love to travel. Hmm. You, you enjoy traveling. You've been to Sedona. I haven't been there yet. It, it's a super spiritual place here in the United States, and I'm looking forward to, to visiting Sedona. But um, Costa Rica changed your life. Hmm. Why did you go, and what did you experience there? You must go to Sedona. It's just powerful. Costa Rica, I need to go back because I spent the week in the mountains. I didn't even see the beach there, okay? I did this eight-day immersion raw plant-based food chef course. And I went, the rest of the group was there for two weeks. I could only get away for one week with my kids. And we spent every day learning about superfoods and 
practicing in the kitchen and sprouting, dehydrating, keeping and retaining all of the benefits of food from Earth in a tasty, flavorful, texture-filled way. I had two teachers, um, and we'd practice yoga every morning and did breathing and came together as a community and learned outside. And it was this breathtaking atmosphere, and I just soaked up so much. I actually, today I had on Facebook a one year. I was in Costa Rica a year ago. And so the difference a year makes is now taking what I've learned and transferring it into my business and creating classes to teach, to sample, to learn about all these amazing natural foods that we can use in everyday life in simple ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's something just came to mind, and, and it's interesting because your whole life, uh, you know, as we've learned here, it, it's giving back. Mm. It's helping others. Yes. And I'd love to see some kind of a study because some people would go to Costa Rica Mm -hmm. and they would learn all these great things about food. They Mm. would come home and figure out how can I package it and make money? Mm. How can how can I put because I'll tell you what, when I came to your class, you put out three plates of sweets (laughs) and I could have ate them all Uh, (laughs) like they were so good. But uh, certain people will think. You know, how can I put this in a package and sell it across the world where your thought is, how can I teach others? Mm. How can I how can I help others get maybe on a better path for themselves? And I think that's super rad. How did you go from this superfood thing to like sort are you focused on sweets because you blew the doors off on that day? Well, I definitely have been known to have a sweet tooth in my um, time. So the I, I took the cacao chocolates and ran with it and have created a bunch of flavors. And that seems to be such an easy way to interest people and and just kind of planting the superfoods in the chocolates. And there's so many benefits. So I have um, a bunch of other classes that I will be teaching, but that's just an easy, delicious one. And I've paired it with a meditation class. So it's a demo of making the chocolates, tasting the chocolates and meditating. And the combo of there's a reason they you know call the chocolates it makes you happy. Well, the Hershey's and all that is a watered down version of this five ingredient all plant-based chocolate that I make. I think that's brilliant because you know uh, I know Many people who, when I say, you know, I'm, I'm predominantly, I just quit eating red meat again like a month and a half ago, and I already feel the difference. Mm. Just, uh, I still love chicken and I love fish, but cut red meat out. But when you you mention to somebody, it's almost like our conversation about yoga. Mm. You know, they're like, oh, I can't bend, bend like that. And you say, what about being a vegetarian? <laughs> I ain't eating grass the rest of my life, dude. Come on, seriously. Where, uh, you know, getting into the sweets. And, yes. and saying, you know, that was pretty good, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, it's all plant-based. How yeah. you like that? Yes. And, and it's it's a good door uh, opener conversation mm-hmm. starter to get somebody leaning towards that, that it, it does taste good right. if you do it the right way, you know? And, and I, I think that's brilliant. So you're teaching now uh, other people how to cook. Um, I know we talked a little bit about it, that you're working out of your house. You're like, how, how are you getting uh, your name out there as far as teaching? Yeah, so... The course to teaching is a constant work in progress, obviously, and just adding the different um, modalities that I've trained in. And my hopes and dreams are to create and cultivate workshops and retreats. So that's really where I'm headed 
with some, you know, intricacies. I'm teaching mindfulness classes, and I like to custom tailor my classes to the groups. So right now it's been word of mouth, um, but there is talk of a place coming on the horizon where it will be a space in Pontiac sooner than later. So that where I could have a demo type kitchen area and also a space for the yoga or meditation or Reiki. Um, I intend to teach Reiki classes to train others. I've been on the Reiki adventure for many years. And so just kind of culminating everything that I've taken in and on for myself because I won't teach anything that I haven't experienced or that hasn't helped me myself personally. Well, and you, uh, you know, I, I opened the show talking about how you and I uh, met, mm-hmm. and that's through Bob Juan. Yeah. And Bob and Lauren, and uh, they really have big ideas for Pontiac, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you guys are all going to hear about it as it continues to progress, because i got to keep it a little under wraps, because we're just in the, in the conversation about it, but we're talking about creative, we're talking about health, we're talking about being able to stop in there and, and visit with Stacy and change your freaking life. But we're just talking about it right now. (laughs) So stay tuned for future episodes of The Drop-In. We're sitting here with Stacey Bishop, and we talked about yoga. We talked about the crooked road she has been on to get to where she's at today, to reach, I mean, thousands, millions through this show to say, hey, it ain't that difficult. Mm -hmm. It's not an arm wrestling match. It's not a punch in the face. You go by, you know, on your... your, your standards, the way you feel, how you want to operate, that's how the best and biggest changes come, I believe. And sometimes life like sort of forces you in a direction, <laughs> but when you embrace it and then you go by uh, the, your own speed, mm. it, it's a whole lot different. And I've, I've seen it myself. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 13 years ago when I started practicing yoga, it was for a whole different reason. Mm. Today, I love going there just to shut down, and my body ultimately feels even better than it did then because mm. it's the whole connection. It is the whole thing, and that's the best part. That is the best part. And then incorporate diet. You know, mm. I mean, seriously, that's crazy. What's uh, the weather like in Costa Rica? I've never been to Costa Rica, so I don't even know what it is. By the equator, I imagine, and it's super hot all the time. And it was rainforest. The weather was perfect. Like I said, I, I had a mountain view, so I didn't get to to witness the beautiful beaches and the water there. But I have a wonder, one of my teachers lives in Costa Rica and I was invited to go help her, but I couldn't get away for two weeks. So she invited me to assist her on one of her classes for another plant-based chef certification. So I will get there. It just wasn't meant for this year. So it's beautiful there, but I need to go back. I Like you said, I love travel and I'm in awe at nature in different, from Sedona, I was in Colorado last year and I was literally just driving down the expressway and looking at the mountains with my jaw like open. I feel bad sometimes for my kids because I'm like, look at that beautiful tree. They're like, yeah, you know, they're teenagers. They're like, I need to see my phone and all this, but they do appreciate it. And, and I think that's important to plant those seeds because the appreciation first off for nature and the miracles and magic of that. But like you said about the body and just appreciating that connection, you know, we're so detached from our own selves and forget that our breath and our mind and our body are all interconnected. We're not taught this in school. We're not taught to eat 
nourishing, nutritious. We are not taught how to emotionally regulate. Each kid should be starting their morning off with a meditation, and that's part of one of my missions. You know, I want to get this into the schools, and in the U.S., we just need more of that in those early formative years. It's so needed. I see it firsthand with my children, and it's it's so required now. I haven't heard about it in the U.S., but I know abroad, mm-hmm. when kids um, act out in school, when they have detention, it's not doing homework. Mm-hmm. They have our meditation. That's their detention. And they've seen, like, not just because, uh, you know, you might say, whoa, people are probably going to get in trouble because they want to get in the meditation class. Mm-hmm. But they've seen overall improvement in, in across the board at these schools that are it's meditation detention and, and it's changing lives, which is pretty cool. That is so cool and impactful. And I hope that it 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 becomes more contagious in the U.S. because I think it would help sustain our youth and regulate things in a more peaceful way. And knowing, you know, kids think I can't meditate, but then they do it. And they just, they're a little squirmy, but once they settle into it and they let go of all that judgment and everything around them, the difference between the facial expression before and after, that's my favorite. Like, I wish I could have a before and after of clients because the difference from when we start and the end is just like a whole different energy, look, vibe, everything. You're a different person. Yes. You are a different person. And I love facts. I love, uh, as much as I um, love spirituality, I still love things quantified. Yeah. And meditation is incredible, but common consciousness equally. Mm -hmm. I think it's different for me when I do my yoga practice at home alone versus Mm -hmm. being in a room with people with the same kind of goal. Mm -hmm. And the fact I want to give you is it takes one-tenth of one percent of a population to change it. And, and I'll, I'll tell you how this is backed up. They've done studies in the Middle East, and they take one-tenth of one percent, and they put little pockets of these people around, and they put it around the most war-torn part of the Middle East, the Gaza Strip and mm-hmm. all this, and, uh, and they had these little pockets, again, one-tenth of one percent of the population, and they had them meditate on peace. For 24 hours. It was the most peaceful time in that region in recorded history. And as soon as they stopped, it went right back to what it was. And so there's something to be said for common consciousness mm-hmm. on a massive scale. But on a personal scale, imagine what that would do for you. Mm. Take a minute to shut it down. And, I, I mean, I could talk for hours about the measuring vibration from cell phone towers and throwing off different things and getting to nature. Mm takes that away. There are certain plants that'll take that away. And when you get out to nature and you take away the noise, Mm. not only the noise in your ears, but the noise that you can't even see, amazing things happen. And that's what you're talking about in Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be in Costa Rica. It can be at the skate park. It can be on a walk through the woods in Michigan on a spring day. So Sedona, of course, is one of those places that's a high vibration to meditate. But it can be done anywhere, anytime. It can be done in your car, just appreciating, you know, the fall leaves color. So just bringing that elevation to appreciation for the simple things in life that's really what it's about and i'm i say that i hate labels but we need labels but meditation can be done with i've learned how to do it with food where we're, we eat and consume so much food that is dead it's not living food it's packaged it's you know no living 
there's just no life to it. So when I connect to my food and I and I see its vibrancy, the colors, I've just been able to, I'd say with the plant-based chef certification, I went from having a pencil in the kitchen to a set of crayons because it's become so colorful and I'm having more fun with it. I still have a lot to learn, but I can cultivate what I've learned and the benefits of these foods and bring it into this just creative, tasty, flavorful, functional meal that's just simple. I like how you put it all together Mm. because everything influences everything else. And and if I go to a yoga class and I take an hour to calm down Mm -hmm. and get back outside and and start running that race again and go get my four cheeseburgers and this and that, you know, it's it's a complete package. We're a complete package. And and we have to realize that. Mm -hmm. And it's I'm still learning. I'm still learning. So am I. (laughs) So am I. Absolutely. And. You know, the fact base of, of what you're saying, I, I've been such a feel-based person. I'm not a numbers person at all. But when you have the science base to back up how yoga impacts the body, how meditation helps facilitate the mind and calming, all that, now it's coming to balance out the feel of it. And that, to me, is just so happy because I was called like a crunchy, hippie, tree-hugging granola girl by my family and they I felt so misunderstood so now it's kind of like you know bridging the gap mhm mhm science is catching up yes and 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 uh, people like Dr. Joe Dispenza, mm-hmm. Greg Braden, they have focused on bridging the gap between between spirituality and science is the way they word it. Yeah. But really, they're studying the brain and saying, this is what your brain looked like before meditation. Mm-hmm. This is what it looked like during meditation. Look at the difference. Mm-hmm. And, and so, again, for our Western thinking people, mm-hmm. my, I'm one of them. Yeah. Um, we sometimes need that quantified result to say, oh, I'm going to try that because I saw the results. And, Absolutely. And it's result, we're very results-based. But once you start doing it and you feel the results, yes. that, that – whoa, sorry about that. That's a game changer. That's a complete game changer. It's crazy that you say game changer because I think that there's a documentary called Game Changer and it gives tangible – about being plant-based and it tests like very interesting things. I think it's called Game Changer and that was coming to my mind as you were saying that. I hope that's the name of it, but it's a recent documentary that kind of goes through athletes and different tangible ways that eating more plant-based and I don't preach any of my philosophies as far as what to eat because it's an individualized, but for me, I know my body thrives and feels more alive when I'm eating plant-based. Definitely. And I have aversions to it. So it's been not a pretty process, but I've just had to, again, listen and have that little prod to, you know, break on through to the other side, wherever that leads me. Yeah, definitely. And evolution, uh, you know, when you're... eh when you're doing good things for yourself, Mm -hmm. you end up getting more good things presented to you. Mm -hmm. And if it's yoga, if it's diet, if it's uh, your thought process to help people, Mm -hmm. it all goes together. It really does. And um, uh, I just want to thank you once again for being here. We're coming down to like the last three minutes of the show and it it just flies by. Totally. It flies by. I wanted to comment on your logo. Uh, I think it's brilliant to to put out there Namastacy. Like you have it on your Instagram and I'm like, that is, uh, did your dad come up with that? The marketing brilliance of your dad. How did you come up with Namastacy? So Namastacy originally birthed about like seven years ago, but I wasn't like 
proud enough. So the logo was different. And my brothers, who um, were involved with the business, which we sold the business, Mr. Allen's, and so they were prodding me. They love the cartoon logo. And so then in collaboration with my dad and his fiance Kathy, who created the logo, they were all pushing me. And people just love it, and they say it's catchy. It's tough to kind of promote myself, but this is kind of a different version of myself, you know, because it's it's a character of me. So my dad and uh, my brothers kind of pushed me to head in this direction for marketing purposes. Sheer brilliance, sheer brilliance. And you, you said your, your website's sort of in limbo right now, but if people want to get a hold of you, how do they contact you on Instagram or Facebook or whatever? Totally. So um, you can friend me on Facebook, or I do have a business page, Stacy Bishop, on Facebook, B on Instagram. And I am in limbo in transferring my website to be namastacyb.com, but it has an old website right now, um, so it's in limbo. That's stacybishopbalance.com. And you do a, a ton of, uh, actually, the majority of what you do is one-on-one, correct? Private practice, or is it, is both. it a little bit of both? Both. I, I'm doing more groups on the horizon, which actually my favorite is groups. I do privates, but groups, there's something about this synergy and energy to a group. So that's what I'm headed into, and hence the retreats and the workshops that I want to do. Yes, I've started with individuals, but I go to businesses, organizations, schools. So I had two people until I have my place to land that will be my official home. I do see clients out of my my house, but I will have a space, the home of Namastacy, sooner than later. Well, as things continue to grow, you're welcome back here on The Drop-In anytime. I know we're going to do some shows in the future that focus on meditation mm. and have a roundtable of that. Ooh. So I'll be inviting you back Please very do. soon. Please do. So thank you so much, Stace, for being here today. And, uh, and I'll talk to you very soon, I'm sure. But with you guys, come on. Like, there you go, in 58 minutes, in a nutshell. If you're worried about getting into yoga, go do it. You just heard how chill it is. If you're worried about getting into meditation, I just told you how to do it. <laughs> just give it a shot. Give it a shot. It is life-changing. Game Changer just came up. It really is in every facet of your life. So with that, I just want to say thank you guys, man. Every week, every week, it's just rad to be here and bring you the rad guests like Stacy Bishop and, and educate you to be a better version of yourself. That's the whole goal here. So with that, I want to say thank you once again. Thank you again, Stacy, for being here. I'm Gerald Valley, and this is the drop-in.